Welcome to Social Media Blues, a podcast for those who struggle with social media but can't afford to get out of it. I am your hostess, Elsa Figueroa, and this is today's episode. Welcome to Social Media Blues. Today is Thursday, July 30th. We just had a lot of rain here. We had storm Isaias uh, coming through here in Puerto Rico. It's on its way to the Dominican Republic and after that we'll see. <clears throat> Hopefully it loses power before it can wreak any major havoc. Here it was mostly rains and probably flooding in certain sectors of the country and lots of power outages of course because that is just part of the course. We're squarely in hurricane season and we'll just see what that brings so yeah that's the second half of 2020 so <sighs> strap in folks we're not done yet all right um today we're going to talk about authenticity and authenticity in social media marketing what it is how it's used a little bit of its history and and how we can approach it um, the last decade has brought a drastic shift in how businesses and individuals market their products and services. Thanks to the rise of influencers and YouTubers who grew vast communities, businesses and marketers became savvy to how effective it is to leverage these individuals' influence or clout over their community to promote their stuff. Open any marketing guide nowadays, and one of the first things you will hear or read is that you need effective branding, and that in order to build your brand effectively, you need to be a good storyteller. You need to tell your story. That is, you need to quote unquote add value for your customer without asking for anything in return. Social media marketing guides and coaches often tell you that in order to achieve success in social media, businesses need to show up to do more than just sell products. That is, businesses need to pretend that they're not really selling anything, that their mission spans something grander, something more than just making a profit. Yes, we definitely have this product to sell you, but actually, we're here to change lives. Does that sound familiar? We're here to change your life with this magnificent handmade lavender soap that is an essential part of any hardworking girl's daily self-care routine. In reality, this desire to appeal to the customer's heart, let's say, is not something entirely new. Businesses, especially large corporations, have been trying to cleanse their public image through philanthropic initiatives at least since the 19th century. Carnegie, for example, funded many libraries, parks, and performing arts centers in an effort to win over the society's heart and also get, um, companies also get, of course, um, substantial uh, tax cuts from these uh, donations, but they also serve the purpose of cleansing their public image. In the latter portion of the 20th century and into the 21st, we have seen many companies developing 
giving back initiatives strategically developed to assuage concerns about the impact of corporations in low-income communities, as well as environmental concerns. However, with the rise of YouTubers, influencers, and other content creators, organizations have needed to develop a more casual and approachable persona online in order to attract new customers. After all, a vast majority or pretty much all of their customer base hangs around these platforms where the style of address has shifted into relatable, casual, normal person. So one strategy that large corporations utilize is paying influencers to promote their products. We all know this. The reason is that these individuals have cultivated a strong following of diehard fans that trust them and they trust their inputs. The best example of this can be found in the makeup community with makeup influencers battling makeup brushes, palettes and everything under the makeup sun. YouTubers are selling more than a service, like the bartender or the cast member. The product that YouTubers, Twitch streamers, and other influencers sell is almost exclusively affect. And this is a form of emotional labor. More and more discussion has turned to creator burnout, but most of that has focused on consistency, maintaining a schedule. Little of that discussion has focused on the emotional burden of maintaining the affect associated with the creator's brand. Over time, little tiny micro-traumas can build up as a result of a person behaving in a way that does not reflect their emotional truth, but more importantly, that their livelihood depends on. And on some level, a part of burnout is the desire to rebel against this one-sided picture of yourself that you have painted in the interest of consistency. Some extreme examples of this are high-profile YouTubers and streamers letting racial slurs slip into their speech, or going onto other people's streams to rant about how immigrants are bad. Or maybe they got drunk in public and had a run-in with the police. It happens. I don't mean to condone. This clip is from YouTube creator, author, and video essayist Lindsay Ellis on her video Fabricated Authenticity for Fun and Profit, published in September 2018. The concept of emotional labor for a content creator and influencer is an important topic that we need to be discussing more as we continue to market our projects and businesses on social media. As a small business owner, I currently cannot afford to hire a social media manager to market my business for me. This means that I am in charge of developing the brand, developing content ideas, and collecting said contents. That is, I need to understand what I want to communicate, but also how best to communicate it. In my process of learning more about social media marketing and branding, I have devoted a lot of time and energy to learning more about these topics by listening to podcasts, reading books and articles, watching how-to guides, following social media gurus, and in attempting to implement the guidelines, tools, and tricks that these resources teach, I have come across a lot of obstacles which eventually inspired this podcast. And at first I thought, you know, I don't have enough knowledge. I've never done this before. I've never had to promote a business in social media. 
because for most of my career, I gained business differently through word of mouth, through being part of a network of peers, through searching and applying online. So I never had to promote a product or service on social media as such. Therefore, definitely I had a lot to learn. But after more than two years of doing this and showing up for trainings and paying for resources, I have come to the conclusion that it's not just about the social media marketing savvy. Lately, my idea about marketing and sales has matured, let's say, and I am a lot less giddy about the effectiveness of social media for my business, if I'm being really honest. This isn't to say I'm going to abandon social media. On the contrary, I've developed a pretty aggressive content schedule for August. But this schedule is grounded on specific goals that I sat down and developed on my own by thinking about my business and what I want instead of listening to cool tricks that you can do for your social media presence from you know, people who are just trying to do the same thing that I am, which is to attract attention. And I'm hoping that those specific goals that I've charted hope will guide me and my, my project where I want to go. And that's kind of what I am here to talk about. As I've explained before, last year I began following Instagram guru Jasmine Starr and even signed up for her social curator membership. Her brand is very much about authenticity and about what some people have called quote-unquote curated imperfection. She adopts many of the tools of influencers, such as having a quirky, funny personality and creating a visual environment that evokes the sort of feminine, cool, rustic, clean aesthetic of an anthropology store. Mostly clean, white back backgrounds with spunky cursive fonts and online notebooks, ribbon, short manicured nails, and a thin, thin gold necklace with a tiny charm and enough perk and energy to power a small country. <laughs> I honestly and earnestly try to implement much of her content advice and content templates for my small dance studio and arts venue in Puerto Rico, and it just didn't work. It wasn't a good fit. I also tried to do the authenticity work, uh, talking about myself and my dreams and vision for the studio, but honestly, it didn't feel right. And I'm not saying that type of content wouldn't have worked. I was just concerned about whether this type of branding would completely detract from what I actually wanted to build. My goals with this studio have always been to provide a space of connection and creation for other artists and to provide adults with an opportunity to dance and, the, and move their bodies that they may never have had before. I am a low-income community. I mean, I am in, in a low-income community, and I don't want to create a gentrifying persona that alienates the people around me. I am also not a perky go-get-em type of girl. I'm, I'm not, and I don't think I can even perform as one. And that is the thing. How much of authenticity is actually authentic? How much do you have to build a character that isn't really? you or based in anything about you. Sure, every social presentation, every 
involvement in a social setting involves some sort of performance, but how much of that, how much of yourself you let through um, depends on what your values and your goals are, right? I feel that authenticity has evolved into this curated imperfection that the likes of people like Rachel Hollis have mastered. It's this idea of showing up on camera with your supposedly messy hair that is actually not messy, walking to your car in a rush with a jar full of some green concoction, posting sweaty pictures of you at the gym and talking about how you were exhausted at the speaking event that you just worked at because you pulled an all-nighter with your kid who was sick, but you showed up anyway, full of coffee and determination and ready to go and conquer the day. That is curated imperfection. And I think it's not available to everyone. And that is part of my problem with it. It certainly will not be readily available to me as a large woman of color almost in my 40s, nor in my studio, which I believe looks pretty, but has a bit of that bohemian unpolished look to it. The other thing is that eventually I realized that a lot of the authenticity branding, branding that, I, that was being packaged for me was rooted in this idea that I was trying to get just more followers, just up my follower count to the stratosphere and to make people fall in love with me. And I don't care for that. I don't know that having a gazillion followers is really going to bring me to where I want to go. And I will talk about that more in another episode. Um, but your social media goals need to be aligned with your business goals and what you need. Social media is one marketing tool. It's not the only one. And while it might catapult some random nobody into, you know, brand deals because they were willing to post a bunch of photos of themselves in a bikini, it doesn't work like that for every type of business. And ultimately, I don't want people to fall in love with me. I want people to fall in love with the space and with the concept and the mission and the possibilities. This is a space meant to attract artists and creators and people who want to expand their possibilities. And so it's not necessarily meant for like a very large audience. Ultimately, the type of marketing that has been presented as the goal to me as a small business owner is effective for people who are more like influencers and online coaches. And that is not what I am trying to sell, an aspiration. I'm trying to sell a physical space and that is a lot harder to do online. I believe authenticity, however, is still possible. Understanding the history and development of authenticity marketing in the past 10 years has clarified for me what I actually want. I do want to be authentic, and I am, but not in the modern marketing sense. I do talk about my business and its story and how I got to where I am. I also like to tell stories about other people, people I collaborate with and who I find very inspiring. But I don't talk about my personal life. I don't post about my day other than to talk about classes I am teaching. And perhaps it would be effective if, if I showed myself making coffee in the morning, but it doesn't feel authentic and true to what I want to build. It doesn't feel right. So I think 
that is how we can be authentic, to stop following the followers and the likes and truly lean into what your project is about and find other ways to effectively market your business that don't detract from your authentic message. Because I think that a lot of this social media style of marketing uh, that is meant for more for influencers and individuals, individual content creators who just want to acquire more cloud and to sell the idea of a lifestyle um, is not for everybody. And it can be hurtful to certain types of project even. We can try to create and foster partnerships with other businesses and creators using more traditional media like press releases to talk about your proposal, writing articles for related publications, attending industry events, and supporting and promoting other people in your industry. Show up according to your own values and eventually people will come to associate you with them. It will take longer, but it will be much more sustainable. I see, as those, I see it as those Instagram stores that constantly peddle their cheap, crappy products. They're in to make a quick buck off of stuff they got wholesale on Alibaba or eBay, but their names and brands don't stick with you. And they get called out for terrible business practices and then they disappear. And they switch names and they set up shop again. I care a lot about my studio project and I've put a lot of hours, emotional and mental resources into it as well as money and I want it to be sustainable. At this point, I am not sure how much longer I can survive the pandemic, but I am determined to keep trying until I can't try anymore. And it is absolutely essential to me that I remain loyal to the original vision and mission of this space because I wholeheartedly believe that my community is out there and I've slowly been finding it, but there are, but those are connections that I will probably have for many years, even if it has been slow to find them, not random people that I'll never see again. So ask yourself first, what type of project you want to build and what you want to accomplish. If it's just to sell stuff in order to profit quickly, or to gain attention, or to have the ability to earn a living from doing something you love and want to share with others, or whether you want to be an influencer. I don't think business owners need to become influencers, and in some cases, like mine, pursuing the influencer persona can actually be detrimental to the mission. My advice is don't follow blindly the social media marketing advice of just any social media coach who is speaking mostly to other coaches because that's all they know and that's how they get big. Look for people in your industry who have actual marketing and business development knowledge and develop a constant strategy that will support your goals. Be authentic to your values and your, and your needs. Thank you so much for listening. Please, 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 if you liked this podcast, rate it, leave a review. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, you can send them to socialmediabluespodcast.gmail.com. There's also an Instagram account at socialmediablues. Please follow it. Engage with it. Send me a DM. Just, <coughs> just um, yeah, just follow and subscribe. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful rest of the day.